resentful heap of a van wouldn't choose this drizzly early morning to spring a leak from its radiator or split a vital hose. Why have we got this? Colette's bag was on the pavement next to the van, and she was pointing at the big square of paper stuck to the windscreen. Mum, it's been clamped, but we're residents. Lucy read the notice. Residents without road tax, she said, her heart thumping as she frantically thought out a potential plan B for getting to Gatwick. Sod it. Bugger it. We'll have to get the train. Is that bag too heavy for you to carry as far as the station? Without a word or even a glance, Colette hauled it over her shoulder and started marching ahead of Lucy, her rigid back and over-fast walk proclaiming blame with every step. Lucy kicked the van's near-side back tyre as she passed, and was surprised when it didn't cave in and deflate miserably. She thought hard as she walked. Mortlake to Clapham. Trains every, what, twenty or thirty minutes? Clapham to Gatwick, every couple of seconds if you believe the adverts. They'd have plenty of time to spare. It was just a pain, that was all. In her head, she could hear her older, hyper-organised sister, Teresa, tutting and muttering typical, and she hoped Colette would forget to mention the van and its lack of tax. Ahead of her, Colette's stroppy pace slowed, and she swung the bag awkwardly onto her other shoulder. Lucy caught up and gently pulled it off her. We'll take a handle each. It'll be easier for you, she coaxed. Colette smiled, her pink face clearly showing a threat of anxious tears. We've got hours, Lucy assured her. And just think, two weeks of wonderful Caribbean sun, palm trees and turquoise sea, your cousins and aunts and uncles, gran and granddad, and no school when you should be at school. The government wouldn't approve. And no Ross. There was deep satisfaction in the girl's voice, and if Lucy had chosen that moment to look at her closely, she would have seen a face smug with secret worldly wisdom. Colette knew well enough that a man who worked for an airline and spent half his life travelling didn't carelessly let his passport lapse. He was another enemy vanquished, another suitor seen off. It was very satisfactory having exactly the right car for once. Teresa Bosworth was more used to feeling acutely the lack of a gleaming Mercedes. The Honda Previa was perfectly suitable for the daytime use of a largest family, but she would have liked something less functional for evening events. Swishing up the gravelled Surrey driveways in the huge Previa, which Mark unamusingly referred to as the van, as if it was a clapped-out rotting old heap like Lucy's, out for supper or drinks, reminded her of when she was little, and her mother had made her put her old school mac over her pink organdy party dress. That coat had crushed her spirits along with her frills, and she'd craved a velvet sapphire blue cape, tied at the neck with silk tasselled cord, preferably scarlet. Not much had changed about Teresa since then. Just now, though, watching the au pair shepherding the three children into the previa while she adjusted the seats to accommodate their mountain of luggage. She felt the rare satisfaction of form corresponding with function. 
Marissa, don't put Sebby in the middle, just in case, she reminded her. The doe-skinned Swiss girl gazed back at her blankly. You know, just in case, Teresa repeated, hissing out the hint of appalling consequences. Still nothing. Quoi? Uh, Say in French, maybe? Marisa pouted, not terribly prettily. Oh, Jesus! Malard! A mald of voyage! Teresa explained. Just don't say anything. Ah, I understand, Marissa interrupted. She hugged the stocky four-year-old and cooed at him. It's okay, Sebi Petit. You won't get sick, will you? Not today. Each side of him, his six-year-old sisters giggled and wriggled and made retching noises across him to each other.